this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord today. Amen. Today we are looking once again at the book of Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8 as we continue our series called A Power Encounter. Now, I understand that it is Mother's Day, and normally I preach to the mothers on Mother's Day. Uh, if I don't preach to mothers, I provide someone like my wife or someone to preach to our mothers. But uh, I'm going to ask our mothers, we have honored you, and, and we don't want to slight you today. But, but I really felt led of the Holy Spirit that we are right on track of what God wants to do in our church right now. And I believe that, that there are a multitude of people, there are a group of people that God wants to baptize in the Holy Spirit uh, in the upcoming Power Encounter meeting with Evangelist Doug Eccles. I began a message last Sunday. I'm laying the groundwork. I am, I am, I am laying the foundation for this Power Encounter. And uh, so I, I just felt led of the Holy Spirit to continue to do so. In the book of Acts, chapter number 1 and verse number 8, Jesus himself said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Talking this morning, continuing talking about power encounter. Father, I thank you, Lord, that there is indeed power available to the people of God, and that power comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God, I just pray today that your anointing will rest upon our uh, upon your message and your messenger, Lord, today. Lord, I just pray that you'll prepare our hearts to receive the word of the Lord today. God, open our ears to hear today. Father, help us to teach and minister and preach clearly today. Father, help us to whet the appetite of your people to be hungry and thirsty for the Spirit of God. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you will honor, Lord, this foundation that is being laid. You will honor it with your presence in power encounter uh, as we began this coming Sunday. All for the glory of God, we ask. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, let me say one more time that next Sunday we are going to begin a meeting with the evangelist Doug Eccles. I am calling this meeting a power encounter. This meeting will be dedicated to the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I believe that the Holy Spirit can accomplish more in a moment uh, than all of us can do in a lifetime. Now, let me remind you that we are a spirit-filled church. Now, I know we're living in a day where a lot of people don't like that out. They don't want people to know about it, and they kind of disguise it, and, you know, they kind of whatever. But I want to tell you right up front that we are a spirit-filled church. We still believe that what happened in the book of Acts is still happening today. Now, in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers. Let me ask you, who was the Holy Spirit poured out on? The believers. Now, hear me clearly this morning. Hear me clearly, because I think there are some misconceptions, and especially uh, from people who are not uh, Pentecostal or charismatic or spirit-filled people. I think there's some misconceptions. I, I think that they think 
that we think that we've got a corner on the Holy Spirit and that we have the Holy Spirit and they don't have the Holy Spirit. Well, let me just clarify that. That's not what we believe. Listen, we, we believe that everyone receives the Holy Spirit at the time of their conversion. When you get saved, uh, you don't just get two-thirds saved. Uh, you don't just receive God the Father at salvation and God the Son at salvation, but you also receive God the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our heart the moment we are saved. We believe that you cannot even get saved without the help of the Holy Spirit. But that being said, we also believe that after salvation, after we have been born again, after Christ comes to live in our heart, after salvation, we believe another experience is made available uh, to believers, and we call this experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let me remind you that there are fill-in-the-blank sermon notes on the back of the bulletin that will help you, uh, give you, help you stay focused, and it'll give you something to take home with you this morning. Now, now, the purpose of this experience, the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is power. We read that in our text, Acts 1 and 8. Jesus said, you shall receive power. What are you going to receive? You're going to receive power, Jesus said, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When are you going to get the power? After. After what? After the Holy Spirit has come Upon you. So again, we believe that the purpose of this experience is power. The Holy Spirit gives us power. And let me, let's talk a little bit this morning about what this power is for. The Holy Spirit's power, I believe, is revealed in at least three areas. Or there are three areas, at least, that I want to talk to you about this morning. So let's talk about these three areas today. First of all, I believe the Holy Spirit gives us power to communicate. The Holy Spirit has power, power to communicate. How many understand that God wants to communicate with His cherished creation called man? God wants to communicate. God wants to visit. God wants to commune. God wants to fellowship. God wants to talk to His people. And, and, and He chooses to do this in many, many different ways. But one of the ways that God chooses to communicate with man is through the Holy Spirit. Now, as I've already said, there are many misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. Uh, some Christians treat the Holy Spirit like He's just a force. Or they treat the Holy Spirit like uh, it's just energy or power. Well, let me suggest that the Holy Spirit has energy. He has power and He uses force. But the Holy Spirit is not just a force. The Holy Spirit is not just power. The Holy Spirit is not just energy. The Holy Spirit is a person. Say that. The Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus said in John 16 and 13, When He, when He, the Spirit of truth has come. When who? When, when it when it comes? No, he didn't say when it comes. And too many people refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Don't refer to the Holy Spirit as it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus said when he, when he, the Spirit of truth is come. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. The third person of the Trinity. We understand the Trinity, don't we? 
Kind of. It's a little difficult, isn't it? Really, we understand it, but it's hard to, hard to explain. But the Trinity and that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the, of the Godhead or the third person of the Trinity. Uh, we believe in the Trinity. We believe that, that there's, God, there's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You say, well, Pastor, that's three gods. No, no, we don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God. One God manifested uh, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three uh, in one. One, the three together, the three together making one God, but manifesting in Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many understand that? Amen. Well, as a, as a person, the Holy Spirit desires to communicate with God's children. And, and let, me, let me suggest that he does this in two ways. He does this in two ways. First of all, the Holy Spirit speaks publicly. The Holy Spirit speaks publicly. Publicly. Now, now this is an entire teaching in and of itself that, that uh, warrants uh, a series of teaching all on its own. But we know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in chapter number 14, Paul teaches us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And here Paul lists nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given to the church. Now, of these nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given to the church, and we understand that these gifts operate through Spirit-filled believers. And we understand that out of these nine spiritual gifts, three of these nine gifts, we call them vocal gifts. Vocal gifts. And through these vocal gifts, God speaks to His people. What are those vocal gifts? Well, the Bible says they are the gift of tongues the gift of interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. Just laying a foundation today for what God is going to do in our meeting beginning this coming Sunday. Now the purpose of these vocal gifts, according to Paul, is threefold. Threefold. 1 Corinthians 14 and 3, Paul says that, that, that these gifts, the gift of tongues, gift of interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy, these gifts are given to edify, they are given to encourage, and they are given to bring comfort. So the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with us. And sometimes He chooses to do this publicly through the three vocal gifts of the Holy Spirit. It goes something like this. Sometimes when spirit-filled believers are gathered together, like we are gathered together uh, here on this Sunday morning for worship. Sometimes when, when spirit-filled people are gathered together, the Holy Spirit will prompt someone in that group, someone in, that is a part of that, uh, of that group of people, the Holy Spirit will prompt someone to speak out publicly in a language that is a language that is other than their own native language. It's a language that is unknown to the person doing the speaking. It is a language that is unlearned uh, by the one that is doing the speaking. It is a language that has supernaturally been given to that person by the Holy Spirit. And when this person uh, speaks out this message or gives out this utterance uh, in a language and in a tongue uh, that they don't understand and, and, and probably no one in the, in, in the building probably understands either, either. But when this uh, person is finished speaking out publicly in this other language, 
then the Holy Spirit then will prompt that person that gave that word or that message in tongues or some other Spirit-filled person. The Holy Spirit will prompt someone that is a part of that group uh, to interpret or give the essence or the meaning of the tongues that have been uttered. They too will speak out publicly. This gift of the Spirit is called the gift of interpretation of tongues. A lot of misconceptions, a lot of uh, misunderstanding about this gift. You know, I want you to understand that this gift is called the gift of interpretation. It's not called the gift of translation. It's not a word-by-word translation of the message that has been given, but it is an interpretation. It is the essence or the meaning or the jest of that, uh, that message that has been given. Sometimes there'll be this big, long message in tongues and this little bitty short interpretation. And people say, oh, somebody missed that. Well, maybe they did and probably they didn't. Probably it is simply that it is not a word-by-word translation of the message that was given, but it is, a, uh, it is an interpretation. And also sometimes uh, a person given the message, uh, they don't know when to stop. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're, we're not perfect with this. None of us are perfect with this. Amen. God is using imperfect vessels. So sometimes a person, God is through with them, but they don't realize that God isn't, so they give it again. Maybe they've given it twice, and it's the same message. And then when the interpretation comes forth, it's half as long or whatever. A lot of things can happen, and sometimes some people just don't get it all just right. And that's okay. That's okay because we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are not, we have not perfected this. This is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is God supernaturally working through humanity who is imperfect. Okay? How many is with me so far this morning? So through a combination of these two gifts, the Holy Spirit speaks or communicates with those who are present. Now, earlier I said that there were three vocal gifts, and there are the gift of tongues, gift of interpretation of tongues, and then there is the gift of prophecy, which is also a vocal gift. Now, a person exercising or using the gift of prophecy is a person who is prompted by the Holy Spirit to speak out publicly a message or a word from the Lord. And he or she does this in their own native tongue. Sometimes when I am preaching, the gift of prophecy will come on me. Uh, And I have prepared a word, I have prepared a message, and I am anointed of the Spirit to speak it. But all of a sudden, there is a special anointing. All of a sudden, there are utterances that are coming forth from my mouth, amen, that are a prophecy. So they can even be intertwined with preaching. It's not just preaching, but it also can include preaching and can be a part of preaching. Amen. Amen. How many are with me so far this morning? All right. Pastor, why do we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because of the power. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, His power includes power to communicate. Oh, the Holy Spirit speaks publicly. But not just publicly. The Holy Spirit also speaks privately. Speaks privately. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And verse number uh, 26, I believe. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we don't know 
what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And then over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15, Paul says, hey, what's the conclusion? Or let me wrap all this up. He said, it's like this. He said, I'm going to pray with the Spirit and I'm going to pray with the understanding. I'm going to sing with the Spirit and I'm going to sing with the understanding. And in verse 18, Paul said, hey guys, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than all of you. Let me tell you, friend, Spirit-filled believers have a prayer language. We have a prayer language. Tongues are not just for evidence, but also for edification. Let me say that again. Tongues are not just for evidence, they are also for edification. Jude, edification. Jude, verse number 20 says, Build up yourselves on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Now last week we said that the initial physical evidence or the first outward sign that proves that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues. Or you speak in a language other than your own native tongue. A language you did not go to school to learn. Nobody taught you. But supernaturally given to you. It could be an earthly language. Or it could be a heavenly language. Paul said that he spoke with the, though we spoke with the tongue of men or of angels. And we believe that these tongues are the initial physical evidence. They are the first outward sign. We believe everybody receives the Holy Spirit at salvation, but we also believe after salvation there's another experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we believe that, that the first outward sign or the initial physical evidence or what proves that we genuinely have been baptized in the Holy Spirit is that we will speak in other tongues. We will speak in a language that we did not learn. Yeah, they are the initial physical evidence. They are the proof of our baptism in the Spirit, but they are much, much more, much, much more than that. Listen, friend, some of you have got cheated. Some of you have been cheated. Oh, 40 years ago you were baptized in the Holy Spirit and you haven't spoken tongues since. In the last revival meeting you got baptized in the Holy Spirit and you spoke in other tongues and it was glorious. And you haven't spoken other tongues since. And you've been cheated. Let me tell you, friend, that this, this speaking in other tongues, it is the initial physical evidence. It is the first outward sign that proves we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it is not meant to be a one-time experience. It is a gift that the Lord has given to us. These gifts, the gift of the Holy Spirit, accompanied with that gift is the gift of tongues. And we can exercise the gift of tongues. We can pray in tongues or pray in the Spirit every single day. Not supposed to be a one-time experience. It's supposed to be an ongoing experience. And it's supposed to be an experience uh, that develops and matures. Remember when your baby became a toddler and they began to talk? 
And, and, and the first words out of their mouth is either mama or dada. Except for my grandchildren, the first thing they say is papa. <laughs> they start with mama and dada. And sometimes it's not even really mama or daddy. It's just words. But we, they're close enough that we count them. You know, mama, dada, and then, you know, then, then they progress a little bit, and then maybe it's, you know, it's drink or whatever, and we won't give them a drink until we make, we make you know what I'm saying? And, and they begin to develop their language, and it just starts off, it starts off as just mumbo-jumbo, and it starts off so, so you know, it's so cute and everything and whatever, but it develops. If, if they mature like they should, it develops and develops and develops and develops, and the same, the same kid, at, you know, the, the same baby, you know, the same kid at one or two, whatever, we're trying to get to talk. At 13, we're trying to get to shut up. Same way with the Holy Spirit. Same way with tongues. Amen. It may begin with just a syllable or two. It may begin with just a word or two. We are infants in this. We are beginners in this. But listen, this is something that needs to be developed. This is something that needs to be matured. Amen. This is something the Lord wants to use in your life. Amen. And He wants to mature it and use it to become an incredible, unbelievable blessing to you. This new tongue or language is, is to be used in our, prayer, in, our, in our private prayer time. Now listen, when we pray privately, we need to pray in our own native language, in our own tongue. Uh, and we need to pour our heart out to God. And we need to tell God everything. And we need to ask God for the things that we want and need and desire and all of these things. And we need to pray uh, with our own intellect. And we need to pray the way that we think that we ought to be praying. But also, we also should also pray in tongues or pray in the language that we received when we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Romans 8, Paul said that we don't even really know how to pray. Paul said we don't really know how to pray. We don't really know what to pray for. Oh, we know what we want and we know how we want things to turn out. But we really don't know what God's will is for certain situations and circumstances. And so Paul said in times where we don't know God's will, we can pray, we can pray in our own language and we can tell God how we feel and what we want and what we desire and how we see things and ask God to do these things for us. Oh, but when we have done and exhausted all of that, then Paul says that we can pray in tongues. And Paul said that when we pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit prays for us and through us. And Paul said that though we don't know how to pray and we don't really know what the will of God is, yet the Holy Spirit does know how to pray and the Holy Spirit does know what the will of God is and so sometimes we pray outside of the will of God when we pray on our own but when we pray in tongues when we pray in the Spirit amen we can know the Holy Spirit is praying through us and we can know that He does know what the will of God is and every time that the Spirit of God prays He prays in in, in accordance with the will of God how awesome is that how awesome is that oh what an incredible means of Communication with God. Also, Jude verse 20 says, Oh, when we are down and when we are depressed and we are discouraged. Oh, Jude says we can energize ourselves. How am I going to energize myself? Oh, he said build up yourselves on your most holy faith. He said by praying in the Holy Spirit or by praying in tongues. Oh, how many would agree with me this morning? We need a genuine power encounter. Oh, we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we can experience this power to communicate. Well, not only is the Holy Spirit's power revealed in the power to communicate, but the Holy Spirit also has power to convict. 
Jesus said in John 16 and 8, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17 says, walk in the Spirit. And if you do that, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Paul says the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. Kind of like this. Help me understand there's a, there's a tug of war that is constantly going on in our lives. A war between the flesh and the spirit. And the winner of this battle is determined by which way we lean or which direction we lean. And, and it looks... It looks kind of like this. On one side is the world. On one side is the world. Oh, and all that it has to offer. Oh, on this side over here is also the devil. And all his enticements. And on this side is also our flesh. Our natural desires and tendencies. And this side is, is pulling on us. It's pulling on us. It's, it's tugging on us. Uh, it's enticing us. It's wooing us. I will, want you to notice I chose the left side for that. Some of you will get it. On the opposite side... Was that good, Allison? On the opposite side is the Holy Spirit. Convicting. Cautioning. Warning. Alarm bells are going off in our spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit's siren is blaring in our ears. Red lights are flashing. There's a, there's a sickening and an uneasiness in our spirit about this thing that we are being tempted with. And peace is nowhere to be found in our spirit. On one side there is wooing. On the other side is a warning. And there's a tug of war, a tug of war, both sides pulling on us, tugging on us. There's a tug of war going on against the flesh and against the spirit. And we determine oh, whether we will yield to the wooing or respond to the warning. I cannot speak for you this morning, but, but I am glad that the Holy Spirit loves me enough to convict me of wrongdoing. Oh, I'm glad the Holy Spirit loves me enough to warn me when I'm leaning too far in the wrong direction. Get this next part this morning. If you've checked out, check back in for 30 seconds. I'll take a drink while you check back. Here's the difference between Satan and the Holy Spirit. The difference between Satan and the Holy Spirit is 
Satan will make you feel good before you feel bad. The Holy Spirit will make you feel bad before you feel good. Is that not so? How many understand sin? Sin is pleasure. There's pleasure over here. There's pleasure. The Bible says pleasure in sin for a season. Uh, Sin has pleasure in it. Sin is fun. Sure it is. We wouldn't be dabbling in it if it wasn't. It would have no appeal to us. Sin has pleasure in it. It, Sin feels good for a while. Uh, Sin feels good before it feels bad. But it always feels bad in the end. The Holy Spirit, on the, other, on the other hand, makes us feel bad before it makes us feel good. Conviction feels bad. Some of you think conviction is your enemy. Conviction is not your enemy. Conviction is your best friend. Conviction... Conviction feels bad, but if you respond correctly to conviction, oh, oh, if we heed the Holy Spirit's warning, we feel good. Oh, that we didn't yield to Satan's temptation. Now we're talking about a power encounter this morning. Jesus said that power accompanies the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has power to communicate. It has power. To, he has power to convict. And the Holy Spirit has power to comfort. One of the nicknames of the Holy Spirit is Comforter. That's what Jesus called him in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, the early church walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. This word comforter literally means helper or one called alongside to help. Are you aware that we have the help of the Holy Spirit available to us? How how could we ever say, I don't think I can do this. I just don't think I can endure that. I just don't think I can make it through. How could we ever say anything like that when the Holy Spirit is right beside us? The Holy Spirit is taking us by the hand. The Holy Spirit is leading us through and going through it with us. But Let me tell you, friend, He's not the only comforter, but another comforter. John 14 and 16, Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and He will send you another, another comforter. Not the comforter, but another. One of many. Oh, the Bible, God uh, reveals in His Word that He gives us many, many comforters. No, Notice just some of the comforters that we have been given. God the Father. God the Father, 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. 
And then there's Jesus. Jesus. Oh, he is certainly one of our comforters. Philippians 2 and 1 says, is there any encouragement in Christ? Is there any comfort in Christ? And we understand that this is a rhetorical question. Of course. Of course there is encouragement in Christ. Of course we receive comfort from Jesus. We also receive comfort from the scriptures. Romans 15 and 4 says, through the comfort of the scripture." We have hope. And then, and then there's the comfort that we receive, or at least we should receive, from the saints. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1 and 4 says, We receive comfort in order that we might give comfort. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he writes in Ephesians 6, verse 21 and 22, he says, I'm sending Tychicus to you that he may comfort your hearts. Well, in light of the fact that God has provided so many means and ministers of comfort, I think that tells us three things. First thing it tells me is we will need comfort. We will need comfort. Friend, there will be many bumps and bruises along the path called life. We will need comfort. Number two, God wants us comforted. God has made it so that we don't have to be alone in our struggles. And number three, God has provided comfort. If we could get the musicians and singers back in place. Friend, God has given His Self, His Son, His Spirit, His Scriptures, His saints, all as a means of comfort. Well, next Sunday we're going to begin a series of meetings with evangelist Doug Eccles. I'm calling this meeting a power encounter. I'm dedicating this meeting to the power of the Holy Spirit. For two Sundays now, I've been kind of preaching to you, teaching and preaching. That's preaching. <laughs> I've been trying to just lay the foundation. I've just been trying to whet your appetite. I've been trying to take scripture and, and show you how desperately you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Oh, pastor, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit before you were even born. Great. You must really be old, but that great. How long has it been since you prayed in tongues? How long has it been since you prayed in another tongue? See, I believe that every believer receives the Holy Spirit at the time of salvation. Then I believe there's also another experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit that is available to every believer. 
And if we genuinely and truly have been totally baptized in the Holy Spirit, I believe personally the evidence or the proof of that is we will speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. But I don't believe it stops there. Because I believe although there is only one baptism in the Spirit, there are many fillings and refillings. If you'll read the book of Acts, some of the same people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 were filled with the Spirit or refilled later on in the book of Acts. Where the Bible says be filled with the Spirit, I'm told I'm not a scholar, but I'm told by scholars that that really means be being filled. Be being filled or continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I believe there's some of you that you're saved, you're spirit filled, you pray in tongues, but your tongue is not developed. You're still saying the same five words. Shondai is still a part of your tongue. I don't believe anybody ever arrives, Pastor Houston, in the area walking in the Spirit. I don't believe we can ever get to the place where we don't have more room for the Holy Spirit. I just pray today that you will honor this teaching, this preaching, this foundation that I have endeavored to lay the last two Sundays. Honor this foundation, Father. Lord, I pray, Lord, that Lord, that when evangelist Doug Eccles gets here, Father, I, I pray we don't have to pray anything down or work anything up. Lord, we're, we've done our praying. We've, done, we've laid the foundation. Lord, we're just ready. We're just ready for the encounter. We're just ready for the encounter. God, we don't care who gets the credit and who gets the notch in their belt because they got the Holy Spirit under this ministry, not that one. We don't care about that. All we care about is that our people, our people are gloriously baptized, filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I pray that'll happen, Father. That'll amazing to me some of the people that shout the loudest on Sunday when I preach something and then when I challenge them to do something I look around they're nowhere to be found so you didn't convince me with your amens and your nods and your yeses what will convince me is if I look up on Wednesday night and you're here praying what will convince me is when I look out here on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Tuesday and Wednesday night I, I see your smiling faces at and, and when the evangelist brings us to the altar, you'll be the first in line. That's what will convince me. Not that you have to convince me of anything. I'm going to challenge you this coming Wednesday night from 6 to 6.30. We're going to meet in the sanctuary. We're going to pray. What an incredible presence of the Lord was here.
wasn't a large group, but we had a good group of people here Wednesday. But this coming Wednesday, I'm going to believe God for three times this many, from 6 until 6.30. Amen. I want you, when you get here, to look on the screen, because I've asked the six specific things I want us all to pray about. I, I believe in praying specifically. How many believe in praying specifically? I want us to be praying about these six things, and they'll be on the screen for your convenience, for you to see. Then I want you to come on Sunday and Sunday night. We'll take off Monday night, take a little break. It seems to work best with everybody. This is a crazy, busy world we live in. I found it's better to have uh, one less service, but have we have more energy, we have more people, we have better services. I'll give you a little break. So we come Sunday morning, we come back Sunday night, we take off Monday, we come back here Tuesday night and Wednesday night. We believe in God out of His Spirit, a genuine power encounter where the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in our hearts and in our lives. Do you believe in the prayer of agreement? Would you pray this prayer with me this morning? And I'm going to tell you what I want you to pray, and then we're going to pray out loud together. I want us all just to pray. I want us to pray that God will make us hungry and make us thirsty. to pray that God will help us make this meeting a priority. We'll be tugged on from all directions. We'll have all kinds of opportunities to miss. And you know, sometimes we just can't help it. I understand that. I'm really not that hard-nosed, but I know a lot of times we use things as an excuse when we could have been there. Will you do that with me? Amen. Just pray in your own way. Father, Lord, we just pray that you'll put a hunger. God, you'll put a hunger. You'll put a thirst on the inside of us, oh God. Glory to God. Father, help us to realize and recognize, Lord, the the incredible opportunity. Father, the incredible blessings. Lord, the incredible provision that comes with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God, help us to put aside, Lord, any preconceived ideas or thoughts or, or maybe the way we were raised was different or all these kinds of things and let us come. Father, I pray that you will help us to come, Lord, uh, with an open heart and an open mind. Help us come hungry. Help us come thirsty. God, help us to make this meeting a priority, Father. Lord, that we'll meet, meet here every single service, Father. We'll genuinely have so much for being here this morning have a wonderful wonderful mother's day and please on your way out pick up a caramel or chocolate apple if you really love your mama you will do that and it will greatly benefit our missions trip to boston god bless you what and there's bread in the fellowship hall